Amen. Well, I feel like the Lord, I believe the Lord told me last week, I was asking him for his word for today, for you, uh, and I felt like he was very specific. Um, he was encouraging me that we need to, I shall read the scripture first, then I'll tell you what he said. It's in Psalms chapter 42, read Psalms chapter 42. It says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Anybody can, can anybody relate to this? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? Sometimes you get yourselves in a your circumstances seem to scream at you, where's God? If God cared for you, where is he? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore... Verse 6 says, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. He said, oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember. And that was the thing the Lord was saying to me is a number of us have been going through some challenging, difficult times. We've been talking about that for the last month or so. And when when circumstances come our way and that seem to just want to crush our soul. What we tend to do is we forget. We tend to forget. We forget how good God is. But he said, my soul is overwhelmed. My soul is is overwhelmed and crushed. Therefore, I will remember. And the Lord said he wants us as his children to remember the goodness of God. We need to remember. Amen. We need to remember because we forget. And so it's important to remember the goodness of God so we can be reminded of how good he is, how much he loves us and how much he cares for us. And we felt like that it was that was the will of God and his strategic planning uh, for uh, for us to be brothers, just to share what the Lord puts on our heart uh, concerning that. Yeah? Somebody? Well, I just uh, always appreciate the privilege and honor to be able to bring the Word of God, you know, before the people. But, you know, folks, the bottom line is, is that every single one of us standing up here, we know in part, we prophesy in part, we have utterance in part, just like everyone sitting out there. No part's greater than, than any other part. And uh, I feel like that it's important to, to edify and exhort all of you this morning to the importance of the unction that the Lord God puts inside of you. Amen. To function by that, and that's what we're going to endeavor to do today, is to function by the unction inside of us, the Holy Spirit. And what I want to encourage you this morning is to understand your value as individuals in the kingdom of God and that no one in leadership, 
is has the corner on the kingdom of God. That's right. Do you understand that? Regardless of how people come off or how we might come off or whatever, would you would you endure and just forgive us for that and understand that we're selling before you that but for the grace of God go I. That's what that's the that's the voice of every one of our hearts this morning. But for the grace of God go I. Paul said that. And I would say this morning, please, if anything, when you walk out this morning, we want you to be encouraged, want you to be edified, but we want you to walk out of here understanding a little bit more about your value to God and the equality of that value among the members. And that, folks, when we bring those knowing in parts and those prophesying in parts and those utterance in parts together, oh, my goodness, we're a temple Members of one another built together, lively stones. Man, it's awesome, is it not? That's right. the, the corporate anointing, all of us getting together, is so much greater than the individual anointing. And we're seeking that. We're seeking utterance and we're seeking unified effort in that. Amen? That's why we come together, we worship together, but we want to flow together and be fitly joined. That's right. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so... You know, we're endeavoring to follow the Holy Spirit, and I feel like that that we're, we've got some joints that are fitting together. Mm-hmm. Amen, Pastor? Right. And, uh, you know, the Bible's very clear. When you get the joints together, the life flows. The supply is able to be made. And it says when each part does their effort, puts their effort into it, and does what they do, the body's built up as as the head, you know, builds it up. Amen? Praise God. I obviously just want to echo what these brothers said. You know, make no mistake about it. We realize life for a lot of us isn't a bed of roses. And uh, we realize that many in the body here have been going through some tremendous trials for a long period of time. And you know what? We oftentimes wish that there was that magic pill word that we could say to make it all better and so forth, man. But that just don't exist. All right? I mean, just just talking real. But, you know, sometimes the best weapon you have in contending for the faith is your memory. (laughs) All right? The ability to recall, the ability to remember God's love. The, the ability to remember who our God is, what he's about, his affection toward us, you know, his desire to see us blessed. His, he has a plan and a purpose, a good future for us. Amen? You know, and, and I believe God is calling us to remember not just what his word says. Not, I'm not trying to dismiss that. Not just what a verse says, but to remember the heart of our father. Amen. So, you know, that's one of the things, if you get nothing out of this, nothing else out of this, leave with that. You know, your circumstance might not change during the course of this time that we have with you today. You know, it's unlikely that it will in some cases yet. All right. But 
you can change, your perspective can change, your paradigm can shift and recognize that I am not facing this circumstance alone. This circumstance is beyond my strength, but it is not beyond the strength of the one who gave me life. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, we want to encourage you to remember not just God's truth, but remember his heart towards you. Remember who he is and remember all that he gave so that we could stand here today. And if he gave his only begotten son, so that we could spend eternity with him, then surely in this momentary life, <laughs> all right, that same God is, that same God, that same heart is there for us, ready to bless us, ready to see us through. And I think a lot of times we have to resolve in our hearts that it may not be God's will in some cases to get us out of the situation, but instead to take us through the situation. And so will you resolve in your heart that Lord, if I must go this route, then I surrender and bow my heart. I bow my emotions. I bow my mind. I bow everything that is in me to you and commit myself to honoring you through it all. Amen. There are so many times I would see the, in the old Testament, the children of Israel, you know, they're a wonderful lot. And they, they, um, you know, we saw how God would deliver them, the powerful thing that happened at the Red Sea, how he saved them and all that kind of thing from Pharaoh and got them out of bondage and everything. And then shortly thereafter, I don't know if it's a, a couple of the, three days later, can't remember specifically, they have, they face a trial. I believe it's no water. And immediately they start grumbling, complaining, but immediately they started doubting God's character. They say, God, you brought us out here to die. And then that amazing? I used to think, those stupid people, how in the world could they be so dumb? I mean, look at it. And I'll flip the pages back. Look at what happened right here in chapter whatever. And then a couple of chapters later, they're shaking their fist at God saying, God, you just brought us out here to die. And I said, man, how can people be so stupid? Then the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he, he began to show me how I do the same thing. Now it may not look like a, a Red Sea experience, but his wonderful provision, his interaction in my life has been just as miraculous, just as wonderful. Well, he'll answer a prayer or, or a provision will happen. Something great will happen. And then I face another trial and I'm crying and whining and moaning and stuff. God, why God? And start doubting him and everything. And it, it's like we have spiritual amnesia. When we face trials. And that's what we want to deal with. We want to deal with that spiritual amnesia where you just forget. All of a sudden it's gone. And it can happen yesterday. God can answer your prayer right now. And you're like, praise God. Hallelujah. Then you get a phone call of something, something happened. And then you're like crying and, and, and questioning God again. And so it's important to remember. Because it's crazy. What the enemy wants us to do is, is doubt God's character. If he can get us to doubt God's character, who he is, and his relation with us, how he loves us and he's for us. If he, excuse me, if he can get us to doubt that, then most of the battle is won right there. You know, the thing that just occurs to me is, is that I think uh, so much of our effort and so much of our life occurs through our soul. 
our mind, will, and emotions. And so little of it, you know, we're checking in and living from our heart, from our spirits. And that's the, it should be the reverse. Because that's the way man was created, spirit first, uh, to commune with God. Because God is what? Spirit. He's a spirit. And so that's how we make the connection with God. It's by our spirit. Lest he choose in his sovereignty to manifest himself in the, in our realm to see with these eyes, hear with these ears, smell with this nose. It's going to come by way of the spirit. And, uh, so I think what happens a lot of times is, is that we process God through our, our natural reasoning. So, just like we process our circumstances through our natural reasoning, reasoning. And, uh, the Bible's very clear. We're not to put our eyes on that which is seen. Amen. But we're to put our eyes and our focus and vision on that which is not seen. Now, what would the man of God be talking about there? He's talking about the spiritual realm. He's talking about a realm. If you don't see it, then it's not in a realm that your physical man, mind, will, and emotions exist. It's in, a God, it's in the realm where God exists. Amen. He said those things are eternal. The things that are natural are going to pass away. That means they're temporal. That means they're subject to change. That's a paradigm shift, right, Cornell? When we take a, when we take a, a, a place of perspective on what we see in the circumstance and the natural with our reasoning and our senses, and we choose to shut that frame down and open the frame of the spirit, open up the frame of our heart, recreated in the image of God, Open up the frame where God actually is, folks. That's what the Word says. He comes into us and dwells within us. Do we believe that this morning? That's the perspective I believe that we fail in so oftentimes is we don't check back in with the throne in our lives and who's on it. Who is on your throne? In your natural mind and reasoning, it's probably, it can be any number of things. But if you'll switch that perspective and go to the one of the Spirit, guess what? For the child of God, God is on the throne because He's the one that's made you in His image after His likeness. And so this morning, I just want to, we just want to encourage you this morning, ground yourself back to the things that are not seen. There's so much you can see in the natural. But my Bible says that those things are subject to pass. Amen? Those things are subject to pass. So ground yourself back to the area where the eternal living provision exists, and that is in the Spirit. And by faith, like Mark eleven twenty four talks about, when you pray, when you pray, You're going to have to pray, folks. There's no ands, if, buts, and no reason and way around it. It doesn't say when you pray, shout to God with a loud voice and groan and travail for for His pity. I'm going to share something this morning I don't know many people have ever thought about, because I didn't think about it till Tuesday when we were talking about this stuff. And that is God ain't, and I'm going to give you my good English, ain't into pity. God ain't a pitier, because but He's into mercy. There's a difference between pity and mercy. 
And so this morning, what you, what you do is, is you cease in the natural and in your reasoning to approach God from a perspective of evoking His pity. And I think that's what we do. It's like, it's like if, if, if I drone long enough, if I present my case most desperate enough, that God will then look out of His holy hill and answer. That's pity, folks, and God's not into pity. God is into mercy. Mercy is what endures forever. Pity is a frame of emotion where you desire to, you say, oh, you poor thing. I'm so sorry you're going through all this. Do you think anything that we go through takes God by surprise? Do you think whenever we reach that circumstance, and I don't care what it is, maybe we're challenged with our very life itself, you think God looks over to Jesus and go, what are we going to do now? We didn't see that coming. Amen or oh me. So I, I just want to encourage you all, it's time to make that shift if you have not from the eyes and on the circumstance to the eyes on the prize. The prize of your high calling in God. And that is the spirit. Amen. Sometimes we, you know, as Greg was saying, we do, we, we whine, we cry, we, you know, God, don't you care? You know, we're appealing out of emotion and, and that kind of thinking, thinking that God does is moved with pity and he doesn't. If that were the case, there would be no suffering on the planet. You know, God delights in mercy. The Bible is clear on God delights in showing mercy, but God is moved by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, and Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Will he find faith on this earth? We need to move in faith with God, towards God, to receive the benefits, the provision that he made available. And we have to remember that. We have to do that. And, and he's, he set up this wonderful kingdom for us to receive the benefits that he wants us to have. But it's through faith and not, not pity, as Greg was saying. And one thing, and that's why it's so important to remember. We remember what God did in the past that, in, that encourages us for what He can and wants to do in the present. You see, when I'm going through a hard situation, all my emotions are just screaming and can focus on my now situation. And, and that situation looks bigger than God. But then I remember... What he did in the past, when I was in a, maybe a similar trial, or if I was in a, if I'm in a financial crisis now, what I need to do is remember how faithful God was when I was in a financial crisis back then. And then remember how good he was then, and remember the word says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he doesn't change. You know, and it's interesting as I was thinking about this, I started thinking, remembering things that God had done in my life and my family testimonies and wonderful provisions that I've forgotten all about. And I started getting fired up and encouraged. I remember one cool one that, that happened when, uh, I, this is before, I don't know if we had Trey or not, I don't know if we had children yet. No, I don't think we did. Um, when we had need and, and, and it was, uh, I remember it was at the end of, you know, we had some month left, maybe about 10 days in the month, had some month left, had some bills left, but had no money left. Anybody ever had those kind of months? The month is too long for the money. You know what I'm saying? It was one of those months. 
And, and I remember I was, I was, my office used to be in the house right there, and, and I was sitting down figuring things out, looking at the bills and everything, and I figured out, oh my goodness, we're short. And I ain't getting no more money, I ain't getting paid until, you know, 10 more days. I remember circling it, it was $100. Now at the time, that could have been, a, it might as well have been a million dollars. You know, we're a young couple, you know, just loving God, serving as youth pastors and everything, and, and this, this need, it's like, how am I going to take care of this? And I remember circling it. Circling it, exclamation, underline, $100. I'm like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And I believe uh, Lisa came, I don't know, if, I think you came to pick me up, came in the office, and I shared with you, I had to cry with somebody. You know, I, I, I don't want to be miserable by myself, so I was like, look, honey, look what's, you know, so I was sharing with her our, our plight. And we go home, and uh, I go to the mailbox and, you know, pull the stuff out of the mailbox, and I'm, I can't remember if I did or you did one of us pulled the mail out, and there was an envelope in there. And we opened the envelope, and there was a check for $100. And the note was from a person that loves us very much, a couple actually. Uh, and, it, and, and I don't remember everything, but I remember one thing it said is a little birdie told me you needed this. <laughs> now here's the interesting thing. We hadn't told anybody because we just found out ourselves. We just found out, I need $100. Oh my goodness, how are we going to make this? I need $100. And then I get home, and then there's a... Now, this check came from several hundred miles away. So it means it took two or three days for the check to land in my possession, right? And I was just overwhelmed and amazed at the goodness of God and the wonderfulness of God because He knew before I knew the need that I was going to experience, that I had. And so he set this all up ahead of time and made the provision happen right in the nick of time. Isn't that awesome? And then I remember I was remembering that uh, when we did have kids, we had four boys. They were younger. We had four boys. And we, had, we were a one-vehicle family. And we were okay. All six of us could fit in our vehicle. But our circumstances were changing to where we needed to have two vehicles. Because all of a sudden, the ages of our kids and everything, the activities and all that, the homeschool this and all that kind of stuff, it required us to be in two different places at the same time. And I remember I figured this out nine months ahead of time. And I'm like, oh no, what are we going to do? So I began to pray. God, And see, this wasn't one of those major needs because we could, I mean, you can do without them. You can do with one vehicle. I mean, some people get by with zero vehicles, right? So I knew this wasn't a life-altering, earth-shattering, the world's coming to an end kind of thing. I realized it wasn't that, but it was a, I guess, a desire slash need. You know what I mean? It's like, Lord, what are we going to do? And I, I remember just, just week after week praying, God, I'm just praying and asking you for another vehicle and all that kind of stuff. And I remember I was downstairs one morning downstairs in the, um, in the lounge area, and I was praying praying and praying. All of a sudden, my cell phone rings because I forgot to turn it off. My cell phone rings, and this lady was on the other end, and she said, CJ, my father is getting going to give away his vehicle as a van, and I want to know, and he wants to know if you want it. And I said, well, I'm going to have to get back with you on that. Let me think about it and call you back. I'm serious. <laughs> I hung up the phone, and I'm like... Lord, now here's why. Calm down, people. Because <laughs> here's why. Because I'm like, Lord, I already have a vehicle. I know people who have don't have a vehicle. Should I take this vehicle? Because, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm 
explain this to God and everything, because he doesn't know, so I'm trying to explain something to him. And he says, it's like he looked at me like, son, are you crazy? It's almost like he, you know, popped me on the behind. And he said, what have you been asking me for nine months? It's like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and then I called her up and I said, uh, I said, yes, we will take the vehicle. And that vehicle lasted us many, many, many years. But it was just awesome how God cared about that need and he took care of it. And matter of fact, it happened when it, when that call, that I got that call, it was a, it was within the week of the situations changing when we needed two vehicles. Amen. So I was being reminded of how God was faithful back then, and He's the same, and He's going to be faithful now. Amen. Well, gosh, there'll be so many uh, testimonies, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go back a ways. Um, you know, to uh, I would say the greatest earthly blessing the Lord has bestowed upon me, and and, and that is my wife. And, uh, you know, God proved himself faithful in, in such an awesome way. Uh, as a younger Christian, the one area that I had not really bowed to the Lord, um, during that time was the area of relationships. And I, you know, I can trust God with everything else, but I, I, I got this over here, you know? And, uh, and it may not surprise you to know that every relationship blew up in my face, you know, but the one that, that really did it, that really put me in a, in a, it really threw me for a loop. You know, my, me and my high school sweetheart was together for about three and a half years. That kind of spanned from high school to college, which was a disaster. And when that finally was over, I finally bowed the knee to the Lord in that area. And I came to him and I, you know, I, I was done. I said, Lord, I, I don't want to hurt like this anymore. You know what? I, I don't want to do this to anybody else anymore. I said, obviously what I'm looking for ain't it. Obviously what I think, requ- what I think is required in a good relationship ain't it. So, um, you know, I said, Lord, I, I give up. You know, this area is yours now. And I, I told him, I said, Lord, all I ask is that you show me who she is. I know you got that one out there for me. I know who she, I know you do. I don't know her yet, but you do. And I just gave it up to him and I said, Lord, all I ask you to do is make it clear to me who she is and I will pursue her. You know, and to this, that woman, is my wife, Christy, of 20 years. The only blessed relationship that I've had in that way is the only one I yielded to the Lord. You know, and he has proved himself faithful. And I remind, I remind myself of that every time we have one of our intense moments of fellowship. <laughs> you know, you know, every time, <laughs> you know, cause I, you know, cause I'm human too, man, you know, uh, I, I get to complaining and I get to whining and I get to focusing on faults and, and, and I get offended, you know, and all of a sudden I'm tripping, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, 
But then I have to call him to remembrance and say, Lord, this is that. That you were faithful to me in, you know, this is the one I, I, I don't have any trouble with, you know, wandering and, and wanting to go anywhere else because, I, you know, the thing that kind of keeps me grounded, you know, it's a real living what God has brought together. Let no man put asunder. There's real life there. I cried out unto the Lord. He heard my cry and I was in study hall one day. It's, it's how he revealed it to me. You know, I'm in study hall and I'm, 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 I'm working on my class stuff. And all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and said, look up. And I looked up and right in my direction, you know, there was Christy. She's just studying the way we were all in the, it's a co-ed study hall deal, you know, and she was right under this light. So this light was just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, And, and, and the Lord didn't say a whole lot, but he said, she's the one. She didn't know what was going on. You know, she's just sitting there with the long hair, just, you know, just under the light, highlighted. It's like the Lord just spotlighted her. And I just said, yes, Lord. That's the, that's the short conversation. And the Lord said, she's the one. And I said, yes, Lord. And went back to work. And, you know, but from that moment on, there was a paradigm shift. And I had a purpose, <laughs> you know, uh, two years later, we were, we were getting married, you know, and, and, and God is, is so faithful. <laughs> he's been faithful to us for 20 years. He's been faithful to us and our children. He's given us wonderful blessings and so forth. But I feel like someone needs to hear that today, you know, that even in, my lowest time, you know, from a relationship standpoint, even though I was crying out from a position of pain and I was just at the end of myself, you know, I, I, I prayed to the Lord and he showed himself so faithful. I can't even imagine. And so that same God, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. The faithfulness I just told you about, he bestowed upon me is available for you. So, so, Anything that would tell you otherwise, you know, at this scripture here, man, I can quote it. It's gum out of the way. But, you know, the word of God says in Second Corinthians 10, the weapons of our fight are, are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. All right. And so we were talking about that this morning. Those thoughts that would tell you otherwise, that would impugn the character of God or the word of God. Don't let them become idols in your mind. Don't let those become idols that would turn you against the truth and reality of the God that we serve. All right. The reality is that our God is faithful. Our God is truth. Amen. And so what he said in his word is what he'll do. All right. And so what he says he feels regarding you is truth. No matter what your circumstances say. All right. And so just like in the Old Testament when they had to pull down those altars under Baal, you need to pull down those thoughts 
that would lie to you about the Lord. What did the enemy do in the Garden of Eden when he approached Eve, Adam and Eve and so forth? What did he do? He changed their paradigm about God. He, you know, he, 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 he challenged their thinking of the character of God. Hey, God is a kind of God that won't give you the whole truth. It's a shell game with him. He's holding out on you because he's got something reserved for himself that he doesn't want you to have. And they bought into the lie about God's character and they fell. And you know what? That gets repeated throughout all of our lives over and over and over again. We buy the lie. We entertain it. It becomes an idol unto us. And that's where our affections, that's where our emotions, that's where our fears are generated from. And it's just time to pull that mess down and instead erect an altar of truth (laughs) unto the Lord. Erect God's truth and let that be the subject of our emotions, the subject of our uh, the subject of our mind, our thoughts, the subject of our efforts. If we put our faith in that, it's no question that God's going to do what he'll do. Amen. And I, I just was the whole time I was just sitting there thinking about what Kenneth Hagin used to always teach about the difference between fact and truth. And, you know, it's exactly what, what we started talking out about. And that is what we see, feel, taste and touch is fact. But truth lasts forever and it occurs and exists despite fact. And so I give you a good example. You might be sitting here this morning sick in your body. You might be near death, even. That's fact. And medical science can prove that. Amen? But the truth is, himself bore our sickness and carried our pains. Himself bore our sins in his body that we might die unto sin, live unto righteousness, and by his stripes we were healed. That's truth. Amen? Difference between truth and fact. You can be this morning existing in a big old pile of stinking facts this morning. But the truth is, and has to be what is focused on, like what Cornell was just talking about. The truth has to rise to prominence from within. And it has to come out of your mouth. And it has to be like what Joshua chapter 1 says, and you've got to get it in your mouth, and you've got to speak it day and night. You've got to mutter it, and you've got to meditate upon that truth, despite the fact, and matter of fact, in spite of the fact. Because that is faith. That is taking hold of that which is not, and manifesting it into that which will be. Those things that are not as though they were. You speak and declare like God did those things that are not as though they are. You speak and declare those things that are not as though they are. That's, that's, that's another way of saying you dismiss fact and you speak the truth. Is that right? Amen. So despite what you're sitting here in circumstance this morning, you do not speak what you see. You speak what you don't see. Faith says and speaks those things that are not as though they are. Hallelujah. And I was just thinking this, just a little bit about a testimony from the Bible. Man, there's a lot of them. And I was thinking about David. 
You know, and David and Goliath. And man, that's a story I think most people are, it's a warm fuzzy for me. Always has been since I was a little kid. Think about David and Goliath. You know, I felt like God told me this morning, did you, did David ever fight a Goliath before he fought the Goliath we see in the story? Did he ever confront a giant before? I mean, he did for the circumstance he was living in. It was called the lion. Then he did another one. It was called the bear. Amen. Now, it wasn't Goliath that he was going to to eventually have to encounter. But, folks, there's something to learn this morning in this. The battle was fought the same way. Regardless of how small the enemy was at the time to how big it becomes in the future. Amen? I'm about to dance this morning. And I don't dance very often. But I got to tell you this morning, folks, by the Holy Spirit, it's time for you to dismiss the potential of or dismiss your judgment of your potential based on your circumstance. It's time to look at the potential that you have in God based on what you've already come through. Amen. Don't give glory to where you're at. Give glory to God for what you come through. And knowing that you're going to come through where you're at right now with the same God and the same strength. And the same ability that he gave you when you fought the lion. When you got delivered. And, it, and the cool thing was, it wasn't David getting attacked by the lion and bear. It was something to do with his life that he was protecting, that he was in charge of. Your families this morning. Are those lambs under the, the attack of the lion? Are they being maraudered by destruction of the bear? Your home, your livelihood. I can tell you this morning, I can hear David's voice. He said, I'm telling you this morning that God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine because the basis of my victory was with my God before and it will continue to be the basis of my victory now. There you go. Now. I can just feel that surging up in me, Pastor. It's about, it's making me shake. I can just hear that and just touch it just a little bit. But this morning, folks, David never fought a a Goliath before. He never fought a Goliath before. But it didn't make any difference because he proved God out in the things he'd fought that were Goliaths at the time. So that's what we're trying to do this morning, right, Pastor? Right, Cornell? We're trying to stir up your hope. Stir up your conviction inside of the covenant of the God in whose covenant you exist this morning. Hallelujah. And he delivered you from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear this morning, then you rise up and declare, my covenant with my God will carry me through this circumstance, and I don't care what the end is, it will glorify him. That's the resolve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Start dancing now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Gosh. You know, I asked uh, Pastor if I could read a passage real quick, and um, 
it's out of a book that I don't normally read a lot of. It's Lamentations. But um, I'll, I'll just read it and let the Lord speak to you. It says, in, uh, it's in the New Living Translation. It says, just hear the, hear the anguish in this, in this guy's words. Peace has been stripped away. And I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my peace, I, I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. I think that's capturing a lot of feelings this morning. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Then he, then his paradigm starts to shift. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Hallelujah. It never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. You know what? You know, the, you know, I, I may not see how the ends are going to meet, but the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Gosh, this is awesome. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just wanted to share that. Hallelujah. Amen. I hope you, as, as the Holy Spirit is just encouraging your heart, I hope you're beginning to remember his faithfulness in the past. I hope you're beginning to remember the lions and the bears that you fought and overcame and conquered and realize that that this thing in front of you, this Goliath, this uncircumcised Philistine standing in front of you is no match for the Lord. You know, I heard, I heard someone say, you know, uh, the David, the armies of Israel were looking at and seeing how big the giant was. But David was seeing how small he was compared to his God. Same problem, different perspective. We have to change our perspective. We have to stir up into remembrance the goodness of God. And if you don't have a lot of tangible, personal circumstances you can think of, the Word of God is full of them. You know, I was thinking this morning how Jesus, anybody ever heard of Him? He's a pretty cool guy. Do you realize that in the New Testament, when we see Him walking, no person that came to Him with need went away? Zero. Every person that came to him and wanted healing or whatever they were needing. One lady he might have challenged, called her a dog and that kind of thing. Remember that? But what happened? Did she go away with what she asked for? She sure did. She sure did. Every single person. And I had this thought for the first time. We were talking about this the other day, Greg. And I just want to share this. You remember the story of the, the pool of Bethesda? When all those people were sick, apparently because they needed to get into the water. To get healed, you know, the angel would stir up the water and the first one got in would get healed. And we always wondered why was only one. Jesus went to one man and healed that one person. It's like, well, why did he only heal one person? And we always focus on the why only one person. 
But if we also look at the whole other time when Jesus was around, every time people came to him, when the mobs would come to him for healing, he healed them all. Maybe it was doubt and unbelief that caused those people to not go to Jesus. Or maybe they weren't even paying attention. Maybe they were so self-engrossed in their own situation, they didn't even see Jesus heal this man and he gets up and walks off. They weren't even paying attention. Now, of course, I'm speculating. But we always speculate. Our minds always gravitate towards when God doesn't seem to do it. But we we need to let our minds gravitate to when God does it. And remember this, everyone who came to Jesus, none of them got turned away without their need met. None of them. You know, we, I was thinking of this this morning. We always focus on, what about Paul and, and his thorn in the flesh? You know, see, he didn't get healed and, you know, he went to God three times. First of all, we assume that was a sickness. I don't believe that it was, but I don't have time to explain all that right now. But first of all, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't a sickness. It could have been something else. Second of all, what we do is when we look at our situation, we compare it to Paul's situation and we say, well, God didn't heal Paul because he, Paul didn't, um, uh, God didn't want him to be prideful and lifted up and everything, right? Remember that? And we acquit ourselves with Paul's situation. Have you been to the third heaven? Have you seen revelation that, that you can't explain, that you're not allowed to explain? Has God done that in you? No, then you don't qualify to compare yourself with Paul in that situation. (laughs) I hope you hear what I'm saying. In other words, if that was sickness that Paul was not able to get rid of, let's not put ourselves in that same circumstance unless you've been to the third heaven and saw everything that Paul got to see. Let's not focus on when God doesn't seem to do it and let's focus on, look what his word says. Remember his benefit. He heals all my diseases and and forgives all my sin. Not all 99 sins and not this one. You know, this pornography thing or whatever. I mean, God forgives all this, but man, this thing over here, God says, I can't do that one. He says all. He didn't say, you know, all these diseases like colds and, and allergies and, and headaches. God can do that. But cancer and arthritis and all that, man, that's too big for God. Come on, somebody. You know, I remember when, when I was, when I'd be praying for people, and I remember, when, I remember when I used to pray for people. That's not good. But I remember, <laughs> but I remember one, I, I noticed one time, Someone said, man, I got a headache. I'm like, headache, bring it. Boom, bam, healed. See, and, you know, they're healed and that kind of thing. And then I see someone in a wheelchair and it's like, ooh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> and the Lord began to speak to me. He says, why do you, you move, you have, you have a confidence with headaches, but you hesitate with wheelchair? I'm like, because I'm scared. And the Lord said, it's no different for me. How much power of God does it take to heal a headache? How much power of God does it take to get someone out of a wheelchair? Is there any difference? Same power, same God. He doesn't hesitate or bring his hands and like, oh my goodness. He didn't have to stop and fast and pray. Are you guys with me on this? We need to remember his word. We need to look at Jesus and see what he did. 
That's the same Jesus that is around today. The same Holy Spirit was present with Jesus to do all the miracles. Because see, he subjected himself to doing all his miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. You got to get this. Jesus did all his miracles. He didn't start doing any miracles until he was 30 or 30, 30 years old when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's when he started his ministry. That's when he started the miracle stuff, right? The same Holy Spirit that did all the miracles that raised Jesus from the dead dwells where? Where? Didn't you get a junior Holy Spirit? Didn't you get the trial version and you have to upgrade later? <laughs> the same Holy Spirit is present now. When Jesus was with that man, remember when, when they were tearing the roof up and the man, the friends brought the man? The Bible says that the power, what did it say, the Holy Spirit was present to heal or the power of God was present to heal or something like that? What was that? The God, power of God was present to heal. That was through the Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, he's here today. He lives within us. The same Holy Spirit. And we have to stir up our remembrance because what happens is we look at our circumstances. We pray for people and they don't, they don't live. They pass away. And we don't understand. And then what happens is we begin to magnify and exalt that. And, and we begin to back up and hesitate and get discouraged and everything. And we focus on that. And we hesitate. Someone says, would you pray for me? Well, I want you to ask brother so-and-so to pray for you. I've been there, done that. But I was, as the Lord was helping me remember, I remember the lady when she, had, she needed help with gas. I met her at the Conoco station. And she needed gas because she was on her way to Oklahoma City because the doctor had to set up an appointment to remove a tumor in her chest. And I said, can I pray for you? She said, sure. I laid hands on her. I laid my hands on her hands. Prayed for her. Later that afternoon, I got an uh, answer uh, on my voicemail or answer machine. She called and said, when she went to the doctor and did the x-rays, the tumor was gone. She doesn't need any surgery. I was reminded of that. I was reminded of the people that I had the privilege of laying hands on and they get healed. I remember when me and a group of us in here, I don't remember who all, but there's a group of us in here coming back from Louisiana. And a lady walked in the store with a wrap around her knee. And I was spying, I was just watching, and I saw her situation. I said, ma'am, I'm a Christian, can I pray for you? What's going on with your knee? She told me it was arthritis, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. I said, I believe Jesus wants to heal you. I was confident in Jesus. I didn't know any better. No one had taught me yet that that stuff's not supposed to happen anymore. I was ignorant, except for his word. I said, I believe God would like to heal you right now. Could I pray for you? Pray for her. She was instantly healed. She was so excited. And as she left, and I thought she was gone, I walk outside, and this younger, this lady was probably in her 50s. I walk outside, and this younger lady, about in her 30s, came up to me and said, Sir, could you pray for me? I'm like, who the heck are you? I mean, it kind of startled me. And she started sharing her life story. She started sharing sin and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 dude, what's going on? And I saw Teresa and, and Linda Melendez. I said, excuse me. And I pulled them. Hey, y'all help me with this situation. What I didn't realize was this was the daughter of the lady who just got healed. The lady went to her daughter, told her what happened. The girl came and was repenting and wanted Jesus. Hallelujah. 
And time after time after time after time, God displays his goodness through his people when we allow him, when we, co- when we cooperate with him, when we partner with him. And I appreciate what, what Greg was sharing about Goliath. You may not have faced what you're facing now before, but the same God will take care of that just like he took care of the other stuff in your past. Amen? We have to choose. Jesus said, will I find faith on the earth when the Son of Man comes? Will he find faith? That's a question he's asking us. He's not asking the, the godless that. He's asking his church. He's asking his people. His times are going to get rough. We think times are hard now. This is training ground, folks. And we need to allow him to train us. We need to allow his word, the weapons of our warfare. Why do we need weapons for warfare? Because there's going to be war. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of the flesh, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down. Strongholds. We got some strongholds in our thinking. We got some stinking thinking strongholds that need to come down. Two things we want to do. First one right now, we're going to invite you to come up and we want to lay hands and we just want to pray for you. If, you. if you're facing a battle, a stronghold, sickness, whatever it is, and I even have oil right here, olive oil, that we can anoint you with oil. We just want the opportunity just to stand in agreement with you and just believe God for his provision for you. Amen? <clears throat> and it's not going to be a long, drawn-out thing. Each of us be praying for you, just lay hands on you and just give you the opportunity to receive the blessing of God, 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 to receive the blessing of God. And what we're going to do, I'm going to ask you this week to join with us. Friday night, we have a prayer, a worship night. And I think Thursday night is Halloween. Is that right? Halloween. Halloween. Friday night, we're going to have a worship night. I want to invite you to enter in together. We'll do this together, praying, fasting, seeking the Lord for breakthrough for this body, for individuals in this body. There are people, there are some of you in this body that are facing life and death situations, that are facing some Goliaths. So let's pray together as a family and let's seek the Lord and say, God, we know, the, we know the, the provision you made for your children. We don't understand the hindrances, what's stopping it. We have to change our thinking that it's God saying, no, I don't want to heal you, no, I don't want to heal you, yes, I'll heal you. Yes, I'll heal you, no, I won't heal you, no, I won't. That's not God, folks. We say, well, why didn't I get healed? I don't know, but sometimes there's something else besides God. The Bible talks about the enemy. Remember in Daniel, I'm going to close with this. Remember in the Old Testament in Daniel, when Daniel had a prayer and he prayed to God, I don't remember what it was specifically, God immediately sent the, the, the answer. It took 21 days for the answer to get through. Why? Because of the prince of the power of the air. The prince of Persia fought with God's provision, fought with the angels. A lot of times there is demonic opposition. Demonic opposition that we have to deal with. That we have to wrestle with. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but you can fill in the blanks. Ephesians chapter 6. Principalities, powers of darkness in high places. We have to fight. 
We need to fight together. So this week, I'm gonna, we're going to invite you to come up for those of you who want prayer now. And also, I want to encourage you to join together this week and let's pray and let's fast. Fast whatever the Holy Spirit puts on your heart to fast, whether it's food, whether it's electronics or whatever. But the main thing is spending time with Him. Okay? Let's spend time with Jesus and come together Friday looking forward to and expecting breakthrough. I want to see God, just His love just lavished on His people. We want breakthrough. Amen. Stand with me, please. Thank you, Jesus. And if you guys can play a a worship CD. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, I just want those of you who want prayer up here and you, you have need, just close your eyes and you put your eyes on Jesus. You don't even, here's what we're going to do. You don't even need to tell us what it is you need. He knows. You can talk to him about it. As we lay hands on you, we're coming into agreement with you and with him and his provision for your life. Thank you, Jesus.